1: Hello, welcome to part two of Homo Sapiens. We're talking about Dry January. If you haven't heard part one, go back to the feed, have a listen to it first. If you have, here's part two. Tell me a bit about your story because I know that some of the work you do is related to your own personal experience. Is that right?
0: That's right, yeah. Well, I came out when I was 15, same year as the Stonewall riots. So in 1969, I while well, there was riots there, there was riots in my house at home. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I ran away from home when I was 15 and, you know, pretty much kind of like muddled my way through on the streets and mm. trying to survive. Got very badly into drugs at that time. And, yeah, it was tough. It was tough. But I guess the one thing that we had then was more of a community. And the one thing that kind of like brought us together was because as a community, we've always been quite marginalised or discriminated against. So we Mm -hmm. always had reasons to come together and protest, march, you know, fight against, you know, fight for. So that kind of like brought us together a lot as a community. Mm -hmm. I mean, the first Gay Liberation Front march was in 1972 I was on the unofficial one in 1971 when I was about 16 or 17 and I've always been a bit of an activist from then onwards and but we've got less to fight for now and I think you know people don't come together for those reasons yeah it's great Mm. we celebrate pride and all of those things but, it, you know, it's more of a celebration party. We, we're not coming together to actually for a cause anymore.
1: Mm. And it's funny, isn't it? You say come together and it's about, you know, when you're LGBTQ+, plus, you're looking for your family, you're trying to find other people like you. And actually, it's often places that sell alcohol that bring people together, isn't it? Absolutely. And that can be really tough.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, the first places I found were little bars and clubs, you know, back in those days, you know, they were little kind of like basement clubs. You had to ring on the doorbell, be a member. And, you know, it was kind of like much smaller community, but I've kind of like done 52 years of the (laughs) gay (laughs) scene. And I've seen it all happen and been there all the way along, you know, from, you know, those little clubs to Vauxhall. Dancing my arse off all night in Vauxhall. (laughs) Oh,
1: my God, so much fun. With or without the booze. or the drugs. Um, When did you give up drinking?
0: I haven't given up per se. I will still have an occasional drink. Not Mm. very often because it makes me feel like shit now. (laughs) So that's a good reason not to. I don't like hangovers. And I don't like not remembering things. And I can't cope with hangovers anymore. So it's more of a case I don't really enjoy drinking anymore.
1: Because the work you do with Antidote was partly to do with the fact that you had had your own scrapes with drugs and alcohol that you felt that you could then bring to the LGBTQ plus community and help them through the same things. Is is that right? Abs-
0: Absolutely. I wanted to, um, when I trained as a therapist, I mm. really wanted to work with LGBTQ people and around drugs and alcohol, because it was, you know, my gender, my sexuality, and my substance use, they were all problems. And I wanted to be able to work in the community and help people, because that's the only way I could make sense of my life's experiences. You know, what Mm. I've gone through is like, okay, you've had these experiences, what can you do to use them to help others? So, that's
1: how I got into it. And and it's really interesting when you say you were turned up at these clubs and bars, these little places, and that's there was always drink there and stuff, you were just saying, a second ago. And I was thinking how, when I did that, you know, I left the suburbs and went and found people like me. You turn up, there's lots of alcohol there, but also you're hurting. Yeah. And, you know, you're at a really vulnerable time. And I discovered, I knew there was a, a big issue around me being gay big issue for me at that time when i was 13 and that's also when i discovered alcohol and i absolutely loved how it just blanked me right out Mm. and only now nearly 40 i actually understand that that was an issue which i hadn't would you believe realized till now
0: well exactly you know there's so many reasons you know why well it's normalized for one thing and you know there's so many reasons why people use alcohol to self-medicate you know there's anxiety isolation loneliness rejection shame and and to facilitate sex because sometimes mm. we're not not always comfortable with that when we've been fed so many negative messages about the kind of sex we have
1: God, it's so tr- it's so true isn't mm. it and this one of our listeners five one one fork said um one of the things they realize is how much Boozes in their social life you know you realize once you stop drinking that it's everywhere and you know there's even like colloquially I remember being told you know oh if you can have sex so I'm just have a couple of drinks before and it's funny how insidious it is mm.
0: well I that's 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 the thing with the clients we work with because they all get their drugs and alcohol under control or stop and then they're like well where do I go to meet people where do I go to socialize And then that's, you know, becomes the problem where there should be plenty of places, you know, where you can go and still socialise. But I think, you know, over the years, we've lost lost so many places like that. You know, there used to be First Out Cafe, the centre in Farringdon, you know, there, there was other places where you could meet people and, you know, meet up for a cup of coffee and a chat.
1: So where do you tell those people to go? Do you feel like there are some options out there that listeners might be interested in?
0: Well, I think London Friends as an organisation, which Antidote is part of, they've been going for 50 years and they're very much about, you know, health and well-being for the LGBTQ community and they run a lot of social groups, counselling and kind of like try and fill that gap. Mm. And Antidote does with the drug and alcohol service. We try and create a community. But then outside of that, you know, there are some very good kind of like events that happen, but some of them are gender specific or for set groups. I mean, like, you know, Matthew Todd and Simon Marks run Change of Scene, which I think is fantastic, you know, because it's a place where people can go and discuss things, but it's for gay men. It's things like that. And, you know, we kind of like try and put together an activities list for our clients of groups that we've kind of like identified where people meet up for specific activities.
1: You know, I love that.
0: You know, whether that be gay rowing or, you know, the Doctor Who fans or whatever.
1: (laughs) Yes. Finding other ways to connect.
0: Yeah. And that's the important thing. It's about connection.
1: Yeah, and not to sort of, um, I know social media is a tricky beast, but actually I've made a lot of friends on social media and it has inherently not involved alcohol because we just chat on there. You know what I mean? Like mm. say hello and then you end up talking and actually friendships have blossomed in a non-alcohol environment, which is feels quite new for queer friendship in some respects Mm.
0: but is that because you're quite savvy because i do worry about people that are just coming out you know Mm. young lgbtq people and you know with less and less places to go there's only bars and clubs and then you've got the Mm. apps and quite Mm. often you know you get young young guys finding grinder thinking that's the scene that's the way to meet people and then before you know it, you know, they've got involved with chem sex and other things and they're, they're young and vulnerable. Mm. So I do worry about, you know, what is there out there for young people?
1: Yeah, I hear you. And actually, we spoke to lovely boys from Edinburgh who run a thing called Cafe Queer, which is an on um, uh, alcohol, alcohol free venue in Edinburgh that they've opened up. They opened it in a pandemic, actually. Wow. Um Yeah. And it's done really well. And it's sort of, you know, we talked to them about that idea of like the context of not having alcohol involved. And I think one of the things that I always feel very lucky for myself about why I didn't because... I was really I was really unhappy when I came out, and I totally would have done all the drugs if they'd been put in front of me. But actually, I was very lucky that I came out with a really close friend, and we would go to clubs together. And we so we sort of remained the suburban kids we were in that world because we sort of arrived together and left together. And I think in some ways that sheltered me because I didn't connect have I didn't have to meet somebody, go to a party because I needed to meet other people, you know where those things were floating around because, you know, I <laughs> I know that younger self, they would have done anything yeah. to be connecting. And, you know, so I I feel that friendship is the heart of it. And one thing I wanted to ask you is, do you think we, particularly in the UK, have an issue with alcohol and our attitude towards it?
0: Um, generally, probably yes, because it is so normalised. And, mm. you know, that is the way people see as having fun, and it it just comes into everything, you know. No matter what you're doing, if you're going to the theatre, oh, let's go for drinks beforehand. Interval, oh, let's have more drinks. You come out of there, oh, let's go for more drinks, you know. It's just, everything seems to involve, oh, shall we meet for a drink?
1: (laughs) Where do you see that going? Do you think that's going to always be like that, or do you feel like there's a new generation who aren't quite so like that?
0: I think... We are going to see changes because I think there is a young generation who want to live healthier lifestyles, you know, want to kind of like have connection and do things that are fun without, without that.
1: What are the specifics of alcohol and LGBTQ plus people and the issues around that? What do you think they are?
0: I'm not going to demonise drink or drugs at all. I've had Mm. a lot of fun on them and I know plenty of people have, so I'm not demonising at all unless it becomes problematic for that person. But I think what, you know, what can happen is, you know, people um, can put themselves in terrible risk as well. You know, I think, you know, people can make, Unwise decisions.
1: Guilty, Your Honour.
0: Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you wake up the next morning and think, "Oh, what the hell?" You know. <laughs> yeah. Where am I? Yeah. Oh, Christ. Who are what you? What happens? <laughs> We've all been there at some point if we drink or mm. do drugs, you know. Mm. Um, but you know, it's also about the risky situations you can find yourself in you know really unsafe situations and you know we know from our clients that they can be doing incredibly well giving up chem sex and drugs and then you know they'll go out socializing with their friends have one drink too many then they're on the apps and before you know it there goes the merry-go-round again Mm -hmm. back on it
1: Mm. yeah It's important to say if anybody is feeling like they are struggling with their attitude to alcohol and or drugs, um, where would you send them first? What could be a good resource for them?
0: Um, I would actually say come and check us out at Antidote. We're client-centred, we're harm reduction, we're not judgmental. We've been around for 20 years now working with LGBTQ people. We know all of the issues and we know what's going on out there so people don't have to feel that they can't say any you know what's really going on they can come be honest and we will help them and support them with their goals you know that might just Mm. be i just want to cut down we'll help them Mm. with that might be they want to stop we will do that
1: brilliant and one of the things i love so much about what you do in your work is there's no judgment you know only support absolutely and and like you say you know it's, it's there's a spectrum, and sometimes it can be fun, but also it's about it's not it it's not catered for those who perhaps don't manage to mm. just have fun and it has to go somewhere else and that you know that's because that's the way the world's built right now, but you know it's there's no shame in no. not being someone who can keep a lid on it for want of a better description yeah. that's a terrible description and you but, don't um,
0: and you don't always know if you've got a problem with it i mean i was I was drinking problematically for years i didn't even Mm. realize that because everyone around me was doing exactly the same
1: yes very true and so uh, how have you ever done dry january
0: um i've done dry january february march april (laughs) right
1: so you've not drunk for big extended period yeah
0: i didn't drink for about three or four years and to be quite honest doesn't bother me if i ever have another drink to be honest
1: Mm -hmm. really yeah interesting i will end with one last thing that one of our listeners said which is (laughs) freddie freddie mcconnell actually one of our guests previously said it should be dry feb (laughs) (laughs) do you agree (laughs) yeah i'll go with that Ah, oh, what a lovely person Tony is. They are just an inspiration, if I'm honest, because they come at the whole concept of addiction and treatment with love and sort of non judgmentalness. And God, I love their cackle. What a laugh. It makes mine look, you know, positively vanilla. Thank you so much for all getting involved with that discussion and sending in your thoughts on Dry January. I have to say, it was a really brilliant response. And I loved, loved reading every single one of your notes and messages and voice notes and all the rest of it. So thank you so much. Please be aware that if you do send in your voice notes and stuff like that, we do read them all and we are so grateful for all of you sending them in. Let's keep the discussion a going. So, write in and tell us how you're getting on with Dry January. Also, write in and tell us some of your New Year's resolutions. Get in touch at hello at homo sapienspodcast.com, that's the email, or at homo sapiens on Instagram. And even, please, goodness, send in your agony uncles excuse me, bit of Windy Pops. Um Send in your agony uncles. I shall endeavour to solve all of your woes. We had Andrew Garfield being very helpful with um, a question. So I'll, I'll always sort of pick and select agony uncles and take them to somebody who I think can offer a new perspective. Or I'll just answer it myself. Depends what's going on. Uh More information on the live event. While we were listening to that chat, I was having a Google. So If you go to kingsplace.co.uk and have a look for guilty feminist events, there is one on the 14th of February. Book it. That is our live event with the guilty feminist. It's a joint thing. Uh, I think you get two events they record two episodes in one go. So you'll get another free podcast recording thrown in. So two for the price of one. It is a lovely, lovely show. I love The Guilty Feminist. I'm sure lots of you know it. It's a brilliant thing. And Deborah Francis White is amazing, as are all the guests that she has. And I'll put link in the episode description here to buy your tickets. Please, if you come, come and say hi. Grab me one at a time. Come and say hi. And it would be really nice to put names to faces after, you know, what's been a long pandemic, hasn't it? And we didn't have illegal get-togethers, unlike Boris. Lawyers listening, I'm not backing down. Um, now then, next week, Monday the 17th of January, is called Blue Monday. Apparently it's the most depressing day of the year. As I look out the window and see some cloud, I sort of get where it's coming from. However, in order to raise your spirits on Blue Monday, we're going to be talking to the lesbian Jesus. Hayley Kiyoko. She is a huge star in America. She's a singer. But she's also, what I think is amazing about her is she was one of the, I think, one of the first wave of people who were really seriously honest about their mental health as a sort of star in the US. And she is a trailblazer in every single way. She was one of the first, and still one of the few, sadly, out gay women in pop I love her. She has spoken so honestly about her mental health. She's really kind, really funny. Um, her music is brilliant if you don't know it yet. Well, that's your Spotify selections sorted for this afternoon. So that's going to be next week's episode. It's going to be brilliant. Keep your messages coming. Keep your everything coming. Good luck to everybody with your dry Januarys. Let me know how you're getting on. And in the meantime, of course, please go book the live event. I want to meet as many of you as possible. All right, listeners, loads of love and thank you for listening. Bye now. Powered by Spirit Studios.